0: Mighty God, I beg of you this year, don't make Christmas, don't make the holiday time just another year. Make it different. We're calling our Advent series this year, Jesus in the Moment. What it means to see him and to know him in the moment. We started by looking all the way back to the moment of creation. In this time of year, we think about the moments that led up to the birth of Jesus, and then we think about that moment when he was born. But if we only remember the past and think about those moments, we might miss what God wants to do right here, right now, in this moment. Jesus in the moment. In our first week Pastor Carl started by talking about how Jesus was anticipated from the very first moments of creation. Jesus has a backstory. And then last week we talked about how all of Old Testament history points forward to Jesus. And this week, I want to look at the prophecy part of Jesus' backstory. Christmas, like I said, it's a time when we think about Jesus as a newborn. But I think we know Jesus as a lot of things. If you're like me, if you're someone who's followed Jesus for a while... You probably know Jesus says a lot of things. So I want to play a little game with you this morning, a game called word association. If you've ever played word association before, you know how it works. I say a word, you say a word back to me. Whatever comes to your mind first, right? Don't think about it. Don't try to guess the right answer. Just say whatever word comes to your mind after I give you the word, okay? We're going to do a couple of them. First, we'll start with snow. All right, good. We We got, we're starting to get the hang of it. Snow was first. Now, how about winter? All right. I heard a lot of cold. Everybody's feeling cold this morning. How about Christmas? All right. People out there yelling Jesus like this is a Sunday school class. I'm not looking for that answer necessarily. Actually, our last word in the series is going to be Jesus. Oh, see, you thought too long on that. You didn't answer me right away. Let's try it again. Jesus. Jesus. All right, good. I heard some different things. I heard Christ. I heard Savior. There's a lot of different things that we can say about Jesus. Those things that you said are true. I want you to raise your hand if you think about any of these words when you think about Jesus. Ready? Christ. Messiah. How about Redeemer? How about Healer? Teacher. God's Son. How about King? There, I could go on and on. There are just so many words, so many names to describe Jesus. And you know, a lot of those words came from Old Testament prophecies, Old Testament prophecies we find in Scripture. It's probably not news to you that there are a ton of prophecies in the Old Testament that relate to Jesus, the coming Messiah. See, the prophets of the Bible had some special knowledge that God gave to them. That's all that prophecy really is, is that God gave them a message and they were to deliver that message. Prophecy is a message from God. I think one of the most familiar pieces of prophecy that we hear at Christmas time comes from Isaiah 9-6. So let's look at that together this morning. I'm going to read it for you. Isaiah 9-6. Actually, let's read this together. Will you read it with me? For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All of those things in that verse are describing Jesus, and that came hundreds of years before he was born. See, the prophets of the Old Testament pointed forward to Jesus and gave God's people something to look forward to. The hope of the coming Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior, the King, the Redeemer, all those names that we just said. The word prophet actually comes from a Greek word that means spokesman. So a prophet is just someone who is speaking on behalf of God. Now, that's not a little thing. That's a big deal. A prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God and delivers a message from God. That's a big deal. Think about what would happen if I came to you and I said, I've got incredible news. I've got incredible news for you. Something big is about to happen. The world is going to change. Even more than that, your life is going to change. It's not going to be the same. This thing that's coming, it's going to shake everything up. You won't, be, you won't be able to believe it. It'll be amazing to you. You'll be in total awe and wonder. Or what if I came to you with a message like this? Hey, I'm going to be straight with you. There's trouble up ahead. You are going to face some trouble. You're going to face consequences for your actions, for your mistakes. You might get upset, you might get angry, you might suffer, but it's coming, and there's nothing that you can do to stop it. What if I came to you with a message like that? How would you react? Because either one of these messages sounds like a big deal, right? a big sweeping statement with huge ramifications, huge consequences. They sound way beyond important and definitely worth paying attention to. How would you react to hearing one of these things? I want you to turn to your neighbor. If you would hear a message like that and you'd be afraid, I want you to say to your neighbor, I'd be afraid. If you would hear a message like that and say, and you'd be amazed, say, I'd be amazed. If you'd hear a message like that and you'd say, I'd be skeptical, then say, I'd be skeptical. I think think some people out there would be all three things. Every now and then I hear a so-called news story that always makes me chuckle a little bit because there are these news stories out there about people who claim to be able to predict the future. Have you seen any of these stories? There's somebody out there that says they have some super ability that gives them knowledge about coming events. Or, I've even read about people who claim to be time travelers from the future. That's my favorite one. See, I'm a sucker for a good time travel story, so I think, why don't we take a look at one of those together? There's this creator on TikTok, the social platform, goes by the name of Eno Ulrich, and he makes these videos. So he he created this video just recently ago that says this, Yes, I am a real time traveler. Remember, these four dates in December 2022, and he pinpoints four dates, December 8th, 12th, 20th, and 25th. And then he goes on to say, Very big things will happen on each of these dates, and this will 100% prove that I am a time traveler. I heard somebody laugh. If someone shared this video with you, what would your response be? Curiosity? A little bit of fear? Would you take the video creator at his word just because he said it? Well, some of the people that commented on the video were pretty skeptical, and one of my favorite comments was, yeah, right, I still remember the four dates you said to remember in November. (laughs) So apparently, Mr. Ulrich hasn't always come through on his predictions. He's been making these videos for a while, and his predictions don't seem to line up with reality. Now, that's pretty helpful when that comes out to be true because we can decide our reaction to this information based on that, right? If you hear a message like this and you might think, oh, that's a little scary, but then you realize, okay, nothing that he's ever said before has been true, we don't really have to be scared about anything, right? I think it's important for us to use a little critical thinking when we face a statement like that. Do you remember being in elementary school and being taught critical thinking? Like, how do you deal with information that comes your way, right? Critical thinking is an important skill for us to remind each other to, u- to use because social media, among other things, is full of information that presents itself as true but isn't actually true. So there's four basic ideas in critical thinking, and this is not what my main sermon's about, but I wanted to breeze through them quickly for you. When you're faced with information, first... You should ask questions objectively about that information. Try to get rid of your bias and your emotions and and say, let me ask some questions about this. Let me learn what's being said to me. Secondly, gather relevant information. Now, the number one piece of relevant information is, has this source in the past given me verifiable true information, right? Have I been able to look at a source that says this has been true and it's ended up being true? In this case, with Mr. Ulrich, the answer is no. And then third, we think through conclusions. What conclusions might we we draw from this information? And lastly, consider alternative systems of thought. That is, don't just make your decision based on your emotions or your own beliefs, but look at the other beliefs and decide which one ends up being true. Should this information affect how I live? Should it affect what I truly believe? I think this is an important skill for Christians to have. The reason I bring it up is because we live in a world that's full of different points of view, right? We live in a world that's also full of deception. You can go on these social media platforms and you can find all that information. I am a real time traveler. Should I accept that information or should I use a little critical thinking? We live in a time and a place where people can't trust politicians, don't trust scientists, And surround themselves with people who think just like them. We have the ability to limit our social sphere of interaction to people who think exactly like we do. So let me ask you in a context like that, the one we live in today, where does a message from God fit in? People in the Old Testament, people in the New Testament times, didn't have that kind of context when an angel appeared to a barely teenage girl named Mary and said, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. She didn't have to stop and ask, what's the agenda here? Now, she had a little trouble believing it at first. She said, how can this be? So the angel went on to explain to her how the Holy Spirit was at work. And do you remember what Mary's reaction was? She said, may your word to me be fulfilled. Mary turned around and readily agreed to what God wanted to do. She received a prophecy, and her response was, Yes, God, I'll do what you want. She readily accepted the Holy Spirit in her life, working in her life to set her on a somewhat difficult and completely unexpected path. Now, I have to wonder how people today would respond to something like that or to a real prophet preaching to the nations with a message from God. Now, there are a ton of people out there on YouTube and TikTok and other places that claim to be prophets, but it's usually pretty easy to spot them and debunk their claim of being a prophet because they're just self-serving and the information that they share doesn't end up proving true in the light of reality. So it seems to me like in our world of deception and our world of mistrust, we are conditioned... To disbelieve people who say they have special knowledge from God or from some other source. We are conditioned to disbelieve people who say that they have a special message like that. That's because we're used to seeing just self serving people who are seeking a spotlight, which is not who we're called to be as Christians. We look at people like that and we think, what are they selling? What's their agenda? I don't want to get fooled, right? I think it's very possible that if God today was to send a real prophet to the nations, he wouldn't be taken seriously. Possibly not even by us. So that means if we're going to look at prophecy in Scripture, which is what our sermon is about today, if we're going to look at prophecy and we're going to take it seriously, we have to get out of that conditioning mindset of mistrust, and we have to apply a little critical thinking, mainly we should ask, has this source given us verifiable information in the past? Basically, did it turn out to be true? And in the answer, and in response to that, in the case of Jesus and the scriptures, the overwhelming answer is yes. The overwhelming answer is yes. See, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God, the King, was born in a manger to a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. All of these things were prophesied hundreds of years before they happened. In fact, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies from the Hebrew Scriptures, 27 of them in one single day. Long ago, I heard a statistic that I wanted to share with you, so I found it. The mathematical probability of someone fulfilling just eight prophecies about the Messiah is one in 100 quadrillion. If you look at that number, that's a bigger number than I've ever used for anything in my entire life. Never wrote a check like that. I hope you haven't either. If you look at that number, you've got your thousands, you've got your hundreds of thousands, you've got your millions, your billions, your trillions, and then finally your quadrillions, and it's at the 100 level of that. 100 quadrillion. One in 100 quadrillion. To give you some frame of reference for how big of a number that is, your chances of winning the Powerball lottery jackpot are one in 292 million. So it would be extraordinarily easier for you to become a billionaire tomorrow than it would be for you to fulfill just eight of the prophecies about being the Messiah, the chosen one of God. And Jesus fulfilled not eight, but over 300 of those prophecies. That's who the Messiah is. So let me say it again. A prophet someone with a special message from God speaking to the nations about the coming Messiah is a big deal. And that's an understatement. And a message like that is only going to end one of two ways. A message about the Messiah is either going to be fulfilled... Or it's going to prove to be false. But all these Old Testament prophets and their prophecies joined together and pointed to just one person in all of history who fulfilled everything and who continues to bring hope and healing as our Messiah today. Jesus. Tiny child, mighty God. Remember we started there? Jesus. So let's look again at Isaiah 9, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Just in this verse alone, we see some of those many ways we think of Jesus that proved to be true when he came to earth. And I'm going to highlight a few of these for you, but I want you to know that my list isn't complete by any means. These are just some of the ways that the prophecies were fulfilled in Jesus, but there are many more ways to see these words come true and come alive in Christ. First, if you take this first phrase, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. Jesus was born as a human baby. He was the son of Mary and Joseph. He was also called the son of God and the son of man. Look at the next phrase, the government will rest on his shoulders. This describes the lordship of Jesus over his people. Something that not only came true in the way that Jesus led his followers during his earthly ministry, but it's still coming true in the way that he rules over us. And it will come true when he returns one day to rule over the earth. Then we have these four names for Jesus. First, we have the wonderful counselor. The wonderful counselor. That's who we see at work when we read John chapter 3 and we see Jesus interacting with Nicodemus, offering him teaching and counsel. And the word wonderful talks about that wonder that Nicodemus experienced or that his disciples experienced, others experienced when they interacted with Jesus, that awe and wonder when they heard him speak words about God and who God is and what that means in people's lives or performed healings or all the things that Jesus did, that sense of wonder that it creates the wonderful counselor. And then we have the mighty God who we see performing miracles. Jesus performed miracles. He healed the sick. He healed the lame. He enabled the blind to see. He conquered death when he had his victory over the grave the mighty God, and, and then the everlasting Father, it says, because Jesus is without end. He's everlasting, and he's fatherlike in his treatment of us, and he reveals to us the fatherly essence of God. The everlasting Father, and then finally the Prince of Peace, because Jesus came to foundationally restore our relationship with God to one of peace. Jesus provides us peace with God, peace in our circumstances, peace in our family, peace in our hearts. He is the Prince of Peace. When we look at how Jesus fulfilled and embodied these names, these prophecies from Isaiah 9-6, we start to see how we might find Jesus in the moment, right here and right now. See, all over the Old Testament, the voices of the prophets that point to Jesus, they gave us a clue about who Jesus would be, and not just who he would be when he was born as a physical human baby, but also who he is in relation to us, the people who are alive today. How can we find Jesus in the moment? At Christmas time you would think that would be super easy to find Jesus in the moment. But as I started off by saying, I don't want you to make this just another Christmas season, just another holiday time, just another bowl of punch, just another Christmas cookie, just another present under the tree. Those are the trappings of the holiday season, the rituals that we celebrate, and they are fine and they are fun and they are helpful, but they're not Jesus. So how do we find Jesus in the moment? At Christmas time, we might be tempted to look at Jesus And just see the baby. We might make the mistake of finding Jesus only in the moment he was born. But what about Jesus in this moment, right here and right now? And how do the prophecies about Jesus help us to connect with him now? You know, I've heard a lot of people say over the years, I don't really feel close to God. I don't, if I pray, I don't really feel anything. I don't really hear God speaking to me. I don't know what that's like. You know, you say that your faith is strong, you say that God is active in your life. That doesn't make sense to me. I get it, that, that seems very frustrating. But my friend, I want to tell you, I don't think that's true of God. If you're someone who feels like God is far away, if you're someone who feels like God doesn't really care about your life or your struggles or your pain or whatever you're going through, I want you to know that God sees you and that he does care. God cares for you so much that he wants you to hear from him and he wants you to know his voice today. He's not going to abandon you. He wants you to know him. All you have to do is look back at The messages of the prophets, and you'll see a picture of Jesus. This is what I recommend to you. This is it's a big picture view. I admit that. It takes a lot of work, it takes a lot of time, it takes investment in a relationship with God for you to feel close to Him sometimes. But I want you to know it's worth it. Just like you invest in your relationship with your spouse or your children or your friends, you invest in a relationship with God. So take a look at the messages of the prophets of the Old Testament, and you'll see a picture of Jesus. We start there. When you see what they said about him, you get to know something about who he would be and who who they saw he would be. And then you can jump forward to the Gospels and you can see a picture of Jesus, who he was, how he lived, what he taught, the picture of God that he gave us, how he revealed that fatherly essence of God to us. And you'll see Jesus is constantly showing up. All you have to do is open the Scripture. Jesus shows up all throughout the Old Testament, as we've been talking about. He shows up in the Gospels, where we hear all about his life. He shows up throughout the New Testament as they point back to the life of Jesus, as a model for how we should live. Jesus constantly shows up. And my friends, today, here and now, Jesus continues to show up in our lives because he loves us and he wants to draw us closer to the Father. You and I might not have Old Testament prophets in our lives. We might not have someone to show up physically, stand right in front of us, and give us the answers for our lives the way we wish might happen sometimes. But you know what? I think God is smarter than that because he already sent Jesus. One of the reasons Jesus came in human form to live among people was to help us hear and know God. And still today, God is sharing his voice with us in the ways that will help us to receive it. There are multiple ways to hear God's voice. I want to give you three. This is where I'm going to wrap up this morning, and I want to give you these things as a help to you. If you're someone who feels like you have trouble hearing God's voice, here are three ways you can hear God's voice. First, we hear God's voice in Scripture. This might seem obvious, but God's Word is living and active, and it is the number one way to know God's voice. When you read Scripture, you get to know Him. You get to know who He really is. The Old Testament prophets were empowered by God and given special messages for his people. And those messages that they gave to God's people still carry principles that we can apply today. Plus, there's a whole lot more scriptures that help us to understand God's desire for our lives right now. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for equipping us for a full life of serving God. In the New Testament, we get to know God through the person of Jesus. God became flesh. We see what was important to him. We read the words he used, and we see how he showed his love to people. So no doubt about it, we can hear God's word when we read Scripture. We hear God's voice in Scripture. Secondly, we hear God's voice in prayer. There are dozens of verses where we're told to pray. But when we're told to pray, we're also told God will hear us. That he's listening to us when we call out to him. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah 33.3. 3, and it says, call to me and I will answer you. So get this promise. God says when we pray, not if we pray, but when we pray, he will hear us and he will answer us. How great is that? God is not going to stay silent. We have an open door With God to communicate our needs our hopes our concerns and our joys and he will answer us People have even described sometimes hearing an audible voice or a voice in their spirit But if that hasn't been you don't worry. It's not that God hasn't been speaking. We just need to learn how to listen Sometimes God's voice can show up in your mind as an idea or an urge to do something a prompting to go do something now Don't just take every idea you have as the voice of God. That's not true either. You have to line up your ideas with the truth of Scripture, right? That's why we started with Scripture and now we're on prayer. You have to line up your ideas with the truth of Scripture. Is God really prompting me to do it or is it just my own crazy coming out? Prayer and Scripture go hand in hand. Get to know who He is when you read Scripture so that when you pray, you can tell the difference between His voice and all the rest of the noise. That's in scripture and in prayer, we hear God's voice. And lastly, in people. In this difficult world that we live in, this tough life, you gain strength, you gain wisdom, and you gain accountability when you surround yourself with people who love Jesus even more than you do. As they pursue Jesus, they will speak Jesus into your life. You know, I I often say it when I preach, but we were not meant to do this life alone. We need each other. We were built for community. God didn't intend us to walk alone in our faith journey. He made us to be in relationship with him and each other. And your brothers and sisters have just as much at stake in their relationship with the Lord as you do. So listen to their, pro- listen to their advice, listen to their experiences, listen to them as they speak into your life. And what God teaches you today, he may use you to teach someone else tomorrow. We hear God's voice in Scripture, in prayer, and in people. I'm going to give you an exercise at the end of this sermon to to try this this week. But before I do that, I want to leave you with a story. Fifteen years ago, it was 2007. And Sarah and I were living in Newmarket, Maryland. We had just one child. We were part of a church that was about 10 years old. That we had been at since we had gotten married. And I had been there even longer. We were living in the county where I grew up. We were about 20 minutes from some of my relatives. Everything was very comfortable for me. I had a great job in musical instrument sales that I really enjoyed. And I had gotten a promotion to become the district manager of seven stores in the chain. This job required a bunch of travel And during this time, the housing market was struggling, and we lived a few hours away from my closest store, and we couldn't make it happen to to move. So what would happen is each week I would get in the company vehicle at the beginning of the week, and I would drive out to visit my stores, and I would stay in hotels on the way back so that I could visit them all. And then I would see Callie and Sarah on the weekend, but just on the weekend. One day I was on the highway and I was listening to a Christian radio station. I remember exactly, it was a very crystallized moment in my mind. I even remember what song was playing on the radio. And I heard an almost audible voice that said to me, How am I going to build you a strong family if you're never there? Well, this shook me to my core because Sarah and I wanted a strong family. So I knew I needed to make a change, and I picked up the phone, and I called the president of the company that I worked for, and I thanked him for his faith in me, for the opportunity that I'd been given, for the good career that I'd had an opportunity for, but I knew I needed to leave. I felt that God was leading me to do something different so that I could focus more on my family, and I'll never forget that he said, hey, I hear you saying that you, you have multiple things that are important to you. Your faith is important to you, your family is important to you, and your career is important to you, but you can't have everything. And so you're going to have to make a choice what you're going to focus on. And I said, well, I have to leave. I have to focus on what's most important. And it's not going to be this career. So I started looking for a full-time job in ministry and there were a few different churches that I spoke to in different parts of the country But one was up here in Lancaster and they were interested. So I drove the hundred miles for a visit and immediately that morning I felt like God was confirming that this was the right direction for me this is where I should be and this is where he wanted me to go and so uh, I went home and I told Sarah about it and one Sunday morning as we were worshiping and praying in our church back in maryland We both separately had the experience of being confirmed with peace in our spirit that God was telling us to move to Lancaster. We were supposed to go to a place where we didn't know anybody, doing something we'd never done before, a whole new experience, and yet we had peace about it. And this move to Lancaster ultimately gave us lifelong friends and deep spiritual growth and a stronger marriage and family than we ever would have had otherwise, I believe. God continues to show us how good he is and draw us close to him. And part of that is because we're here. We're here with you. You're part of that in our lives. See, God wants us to hear his voice because God wants what's best for us. So let me encourage you, church family. Let me encourage you, people of 2022 and almost 2023. We're not living in the Old Testament anymore, right? But listen to the voice of God. Jesus came in the form of a human baby and fulfilled over 300 prophecies to bring you closer to God. This morning, if you don't have a relationship with God, I want to talk to you when this service is over because I want to introduce you to who he is. And I want to ask you to pray and put your life and your trust in his hands. Jesus came to bring you closer to God and he's still doing that today through his word, through prayer, and through people. So as we go this morning, I'm going to give you a simple exercise. This is going to take five minutes of your day, hopefully every day this week. If you want to make a note about this to help you remember, it's very simple. Five minutes a day, I want you to open your Bible or open your Bible app, and I want you to go to Isaiah 9-6. That's the verse that we spent all of our time in this morning, Isaiah 9-6. And I want you to take a phrase, just like I did earlier. Take the first phrase, a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and then pray about that phrase. Say, God, reveal your character. Reveal the character of your son to me. What does it mean that he was born to us, that he was a child and a son given to us? And ask that. What does it mean when it's, when it calls him the wonderful counseling, uh, counselor, Lord, reveal that part of your son's character to me. How are you experiencing the wonder of who Jesus is right now? How is Jesus counseling you? Pray about that. Do you need more of these things? Where might God lead you to experience them? So just go over these phrases one by one and pray about them. Ask questions of God. Listen for ideas and nudges of the Holy Spirit so that you can pay attention to what he's doing. I hope that you'll take five minutes a day to do that this week. And we're going to sing one final song here this morning, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. And I'm going to ask us to stand, and I'm going to ask us to sing and join in that together, that we would worship Him, Jesus, the one who came for us. Let's worship this morning.